Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall, funny, smart, love basketball, from gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite, I just need sperm, Oh, hello, world. I hope you're doing fabulously today. I'm doing all right, but definitely feeling the smoke. I'm so grateful to be nowhere near the fires and to have a roof over my head to keep out most of the toxic air, but... My house is basically made of Swiss cheese, so I do have a headache. I tried to find an air purifier locally, but they were all sold out everywhere, so I finally broke down and ordered one from Amazon. Now, you might have heard me mention that I don't like to shop through Amazon, and you probably know why, but just in case you don't, I'm just going to tell you. Amazon exploits their workers and fights them trying to unionize. In 2018, Amazon didn't pay any taxes on its $11.2 billion profit. And they get billions in tax incentives. That's our money going to them. Amazon's terrible for small businesses and bad for local economies. And this year, Jeff Bezos is making $3,715 per second. That's $222,000 a minute, $13.4 million an hour, $321 million a day, $8.99 billion a month. And on top of that, you know, the packaging, the waste, it drives me out of my fucking mind. And overall, the company just promotes this wild consumerism and people, we just don't need so much stuff. It all ends up in a landfill. Just buy things used. Oh, gosh. Anyway, did you register to vote yet? Double check at vote.org and make sure your friends and family are registered to vote too. And if you want to join a text bank to remind people to register, it's super, super easy. I did it this weekend through resistancelabs.com. They do this great, easy tutorial, and then you're texting thousands of people. It's fun. Resistancelabs.com. Now, it's time to thank my Patreon subscribers. No newbies, but Gene C. and Jenna raised their subscriptions. So sweet. This week on the Patreon, my subscribers got lots of juicy news. And now I'll share it with you. First of all, my NIPT results came back. NIPT, non-invasive prenatal testing. So small fragments of your baby's DNA circulate in the bloodstream, in your bloodstream. NIPT takes a sample of your blood and analyzes the fragments of the baby's DNA to identify whether you're at an increased risk of giving birth to a child with a genetic disorder. NIPT primarily looks for Down syndrome, trisomy 18, trisomy 13, and extra or missing copies of the X chromosome and Y chromosomes. You can also find out the sex of your baby on the NIPT test. Well, I avoided studying up on all of this before I got my results because I was too terrified. But now I have the results and I'm very relieved and happy to tell you that they show that the baby is low risk for everything. My test results show that my risk for having a baby with trisomy 21 Down syndrome before the test was 1 in 35, but after the test is now 1 in 10,000. Now, I don't think that they realized that my embryo was made from an egg that was 37. They're going off of 42. But anyway, the end result is probably still the same, about 1 in 10,000, and I think that's fantastic. And now, are you ready to hear the sex? Well, too bad I didn't have them test the sex. You're also obsessed with baby genitals. But also, I thought it would be more fun to discover the sex on an ultrasound. Okay, so the NIPT wasn't the only thing I did last week. I also had an NT scan, a nuchal translucency scan. And here I am with the sweetest doctor on the planet. Unfortunately, I forgot to ask him if he was okay with me putting his voice on the podcast. So I've changed his voice, but that's also changed my voice. So everything sounds weird. 
that's gonna generate a heart rate for us, 154 beats per minute, which is perfect. Oh, lovely. And so with you doing that on the side, is it, that baby's not on that side, you're just getting a side angle? Yeah, so your baby's turned a certain way for me to get this profile view, I need to kind of come in from the side. Yeah. Oh my god, those hands and the face. I saw a face. Oh my god. And then this is our nuchal translucency here. Measuring it three times, and I'm taking the largest measure I can get, but so far all the measurements have been very normal. Okay. He yeah. said so far all the measurements look normal. I have tried not to look too much into it because I don't want to I didn't want to get nervous. But now that it's looking okay, can you tell me a little bit more about why nuchal translucency would indicate Down syndrome? So, babies with Down syndrome and other chromosomal abnormalities, they have um, abnormal lymphatic systems. And lymphatic oh. systems are just, uh, they're kind of like blood vessels, but rather than transporting blood around our body, they kind of transport the extra fluid. That, our tissues generate. Okay, yes. So their lymphatic systems in this area, kind yeah. of the neck area, is uh, poorly developed. Mm. So the fluid drainage from the back side of the neck isn't optimal. So it kind of just swells up. So the nuchal translucency, all it does is we measure the thickness of that skin back yeah. there. Yeah. And babies with chromosomal abnormalities and other chromosomal abnormalities like Down syndrome and others mm. have a thickened nuchal translucency just because there's extra fluid back there. I gotcha. In one of those angles, there was a, like a shady area. Was that the placenta? So this is your bladder. Uh huh. This is actually your birth canal right through here. Oh, or I had the other direct. Okay. Mm hmm. And then. Wow. Baby's head, okay. body, legs, and feet, and then you can kind of just so this is your uterus, uh huh, and you can kind of just see this lighter gray tissue. Sure. That's your placenta. Wow, cool. So today, all normal measurements. We measured the length of your baby, which is right on target for twelve weeks. Yeah. Baby's heart rate normal. And our nuchal translucency measurements all normal. Okay, this is amazing. Very reassuring ultrasound. Thank you so much. He said it's a very reassuring ultrasound. Next ultrasound is going to be when you get a little closer to 20 weeks, and that's when the baby's big enough we can do the head to toe evaluation. So we take a close look at the heart and the spine and the brain, arms and hands, legs and feet, kidneys, everything. Wow. So those were some of the highlights from the NT scan. If you want to see the actual video, it's on the Patreon. So go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast and subscribe. After the NT scan, I went down to my car and I called my mom and dad. How are you? I'm good. Everything's okay. Okay. I didn't even know you were going to have a scan today. <laughs> uh, this was the NT scan where they measure the nuchal translucency, which is the... Yes. The, the, the back of the neck and yes. and everything looked good. That's my girl. So I'm low risk for all the the things. My next important scan is the 20 week one where they check the anatomy scan where they do all right. that stuff. Um, but also my baby was moving around so much. It was so wow. cute. It's oh. so cute. And then the little baby is born. What? What 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 did you say? You're thrilled? I said I'm really thrilled about the baby. Yeah. It's such a thing it, it's such a thing on the horizon that yeah. it's like the sun coming up. Yeah. A little more every day. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's weird. Well I'm nice. gonna cry. I'm gonna cry because whew, I haven't had a lot of good stuff happen. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Honey, you've had a lot of good stuff. No, no, it's just, it's just a really good thing if if everything works out. I will. I'm in yeah. shock. It's going to work out. 
That was it for that. I only cried for a second, I swear. Okay, so all in all, with the NIPT and the NT scan, things are looking really, really good. And now we can move on to my baby and my body. Today I am 13 weeks and 2 days pregnant. According to the bump, my baby is the size of a lemon? Hold up. 2.91 inches and 0.81 ounces. Congrats, the end of week 13 is the end of the first trimester. Well, I'm not at the end yet, I'm at the beginning. I guess at the end of the week I'll be one-third of the way through my pregnancy. Wow, that was fast. At 13 weeks pregnant, you've grown a fetus that has vocal cords, teeth, and even fingerprints. Their head is now about one-third the size of the body instead of half. Some babies begin thumb-sucking as early as week 13 in the womb. Oh my goodness. Okay, now for my body. Your uterus is likely now big to the point that it's grown up and out of your pelvis, meaning you may be sporting a more noticeable bump. I think, ladies and gents... I think maybe I am. You may be cursing your achy hips, but you'll be thanking relaxin when it comes time to push baby out of your pelvis and cervix during delivery. Don't have achy hips yet, but my feet are really achy. That's another story. You may get a nice benefit from your body working 24-7 to pump more blood, the much-talked-about pregnancy glow in your cheeks. Meh. Feeling a little dizzy on your feet? The culprit is progesterone, which helps your blood vessels open and get more blood to baby. Good news, everybody. I finished my progesterone injections, three months worth of butt injections, and two vaginal suppositories every day, and estrogen every single day, and baby aspirin every single day, and it's done, and my butt is so happy. Ooh, your breasts are starting to make colostrum, a.k.a. the first milk. Packed with proteins and antibodies, colostrum gives baby an immune system boost before breast milk comes in. <laughs> baby. And I think that's it for today. You'll hear more about my boobs later in the interview. Speaking of the interview, today we're going to catch up with Lou. We talked to Lou way back in the beginning of the pandemic, late March. I was in that dark and scary Airbnb down the street from my parents' house quarantining. And Lou was about 13 or 14 weeks pregnant. Oh, hello. Hi. You look exactly the same. What? (laughs) You look exactly the same. You don't look like nine months pregnant. Well, thanks. I feel nine months pregnant. (laughs) But I guess if you you pan down, I bet it would be Yeah, if I pan down, there'd be a... There's a big belly there. (laughs) (laughs) In short, Lou and her husband did IVF once, and when it failed, she decided to go straight to using donor eggs rather than trying IVF again. I remember being really interested in this decision. And here's what she said about it this yeah. time. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it was a, like I still think about that decision in a lot of ways because it was, I think it's kind of odd. I think a lot of people are, are sort of more inclined to keep trying and hoping for success. But I think part of it was that and was the, the feeling that like I, I knew what I could handle. Part of it was an instinct about my body, which mm-hmm. may or may not be right. Mm-hmm. Part of it was like just the trap of IVF that's like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know it could work or it could not work. And then you could do it again and it could work or it could not work. And then you could do it again and it could mm-hmm. work. Or not and work. you and talked I, about you know, depleting your, your resources, your, yeah. your financial and emotional yeah, totally. Yeah. And how the financial was almost like, it, it's almost like a, I don't know, just sort of like a representation of yeah. the emotional resources or something, right? It's like, it's not nothing. It's not insignificant. And I have friends that live in states, you know, where their IVF was covered and they did six rounds wow. or, you know, more and had, you know, multiple miscarriages. And, you know, I look at that and I think like, well, maybe if I was in this other state, I would have made these decisions to do more rounds. But then I also kind of look at the pain that they kind of accumulated Mm -hmm. throughout that process. And I think, I don't know if I would have done well (laughs) with that pain, you know? I don't know where that would have led me. So yeah, we went went to Donor Eggs. Lou is now 38 weeks pregnant, due in the end of September. But when we originally spoke, she was just hitting the second trimester and was starting to feel some relief from the nausea that had kept her cooped up inside for three months. She was so excited that she could finally emerge out into the world and then COVID hit and the world shut down. 
So basically, she's been trapped inside for nine months. So how was pregnancy? How has it been? Did you feel a shift from first to second trimester? You kind of already said that you did. You yeah. felt a little better. I did. I was starting to feel better. I think I had, yeah, in each trimester, nausea has returned. Oh, interesting. Um, but not as bad as the first trimester. And huh. I think that was something that, I think it's something people don't talk about as much, mm-hmm. that you just kind of assume that most of the nausea is in the first trimester. Uh-huh. And then second trimester, suddenly, midway through, I would be like exercising and I would get really sick oh. um, and called my nurse like, why am I nauseous? And she's like, well, you're pregnant. Like, <laughs> things happen. You know, like, you get nauseous sometimes. Yeah. Um, so that happened. And then in the third trimester, there's like a different kind of nausea that can happen. But it's not, none of it's been as bad as the first. Second trimester is that like, for me was what it is for a lot of people, which is you feel really, or I felt really like, I love being pregnant and <laughs> wonderful feeling and I could be like this forever. And <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, you're just living in the bliss of it. And yeah, and you're like excited to be showing. And yeah, that was my ultimate kind of I felt, you know, angelic and optimistic. And third trimester has been kind of the continuation of that until the last few weeks and last few weeks have been harder they've been like more sleepless and Mm -hmm. um suddenly started getting heartburn really bad which I Uh, didn't have yes (laughs) so that's fun yeah um as you know yeah Uh. and like body stuff you know I think it's like it finally in the third trimester I'm like just so big and like the tiniest comments will kind of like (laughs) make me feel just like I don't know make me cry or well tell me how you do feel about your body I mean so until a little bit recently you were feeling like it was I just have this imagination you know I think I think all pregnant women are so beautiful and I'm excited (laughs) to be that Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah but but yeah what's going on in your mind yeah, I mean, I had always struggled with that because I was, I had, I was anorexic when I was in my twenties, and right. so it's something that had just body image issues have been a thing for me, mm-hmm. and I think it makes it a little bit harder going through IVF because you're already kind of putting your body through something mm-hmm. and you feel a bit off, you know, going into it. But there's, for me, you know, my experience was there's something. It's just there's something so beautiful about it, and so empowering, and all of the things that they say that just feel almost cliche to even talk about, but, you know, it's like you are recognizing your body as this capable thing. And it is insane to feel your baby the first time. And then it's insane how dramatic those movements get. And, and it's like funny and ridiculous too. Like, it's like, it's so weird to catch yourself in the mirror and like (laughs) have this bizarre, like, you know, protrusion and like, to move around with it is just, you feel kind of like wonderfully ridiculous. <laughs> I think it, it just, it's almost like it takes, it makes you take your body more seriously and less seriously at the mm, same time. That's like, so funny. That's interesting. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not objectifying it as much, but also I'm so impressed by it. Yeah. And so that has been wonderful yeah. and empowering. And I think I was also kind of, <laughs> I don't know probably like TikTok. I've been like embracing body neutrality and been very like, you know, my body is, is just this, this thing that creates life at this moment. And then at some point it'll be doing other things and um, it's neither good or bad. It just is what it is. Wait, I don't understand. You just mentioned TikTok and now I'm confused. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Yeah. That's probably. No, it's like, I'm just not cool. I don't understand TikTok. No, I'm not either. I think it's not cool to be 38 and to have like randomly gotten into TikTok and um, started watching body neutrality. What what does that mean? Body neutrality? neutrality so this was I mean these are what these young people are talking about on TikTok I'm writing is, it down why do okay. I need to write it down I'm recording it <laughs> um <laughs> so like body positivity is like feeling really good about your body right no matter what it looks like mm. but um on Neut- TikTok uh, I started watching all these videos from these young people talking about body neutrality which is like <sighs> it isn't about necessarily even having to feel good about your body because there's like kind of an extra pressure there. Sometimes yeah. people's bodies don't do what they want them to. They might have, um, you know, some form of disability or they might have a chronic illness or 
you know, they, their bodies might have failed them in some ways. Yeah. And so you don't necessarily have to feel positive about it. You just have to accept where your body is at, you know, and accept what your body is doing at a given moment. I love that. Yeah, I do Like there's so much pressure to be positive about your body and, and, and you slay all the time and be confident and think you're beautiful all the time. And that's great if you can manage it, but a lot of people can't. Like a lot of people simply do not feel beautiful all the time. And they're only lying to themselves if they think that if they say that they do. The cool thing about body neutrality is that it focuses only on the things that are just indisputably factual. So if you're going and looking in the mirror every day and you hate your arms, instead of saying these are fat, hideous, ugly arms, or saying these are the most amazing model arms I've ever seen in my life, you can just say these are human arms. They can pick stuff up and put stuff down. They sure are human arms. It seems so basic, but it can be so helpful to your mentality because eventually you train yourself to stop being so negative, even when you can't find it in yourself to be overly positive. That was Sleepy Witch 3 on TikTok. Body positivity uh, puts emphasis on everyone being beautiful, but unfortunately that still means we are putting emphasis on beauty. We are putting emphasis on uh, outside parties' perception of what we look like. My body is a thing that I take care of, and it takes care of me. So for me, it's actually a really weird and objectifying space to find myself in. So hello, this is my stomach. And this is not brave, because my body is not a reflection of who I am or what I am capable of. It exists, and that's all I need it to do. And that was Cecilia is Gray on TikTok. That's Gray with an A. And Cecilia with a C. Okay, so, but towards the end now, you've been feeling like, oh, my body, I hate it, or, or I'm yeah, insecure, exactly. or don't talk about my body, don't even mention it, or what do you want from people, actually, at this point? Oh, yeah. Well, see, I've had this experience, which is the only experience so far that I've had, and maybe ever, that I'll have with pregnancy, which is, I've, I have not been around anyone, right, you know? Right, right. And the most that I've seen of people have been like in my backyard and we're inside of our house and we're like looking through a screen, you know, and that's like a few people. So the only person that really sees you is your husband. Yeah. And so (laughs) is he the only one that's uh, making comments that you like or don't like? (laughs) No, he is not. He is like, no, I mean, we've seen other people through like, you know, someone coming in our backyard or we've like dropped some things off and seen our friends, you know, had, had, um, a baby during this time. So we've like seen a baby from a distance and that kind of thing. So I should say we, we have had a couple of those distant trips, drop offs, but, um, no, my husband is like the ultimate, he, he's like the ultimate body neutrality person. (laughs) What I realized when I started thinking about this idea of body neutrality, I realized something about my husband that is amazing that is, he is never, I've never heard him say anything negative about anyone's body. Oh, I love that. Yes. And I, it's like I didn't uh, even realize yeah. until I started thinking about that. And I was like, hey, what do you think about this body neutrality thing? And he's like, mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> and it was God. like, oh, that's right. He is the ultimate in like non-judgment of people's bodies. And he's also like, you know, for whatever reason, because he loves me or because it's true, is constantly like, you look so beautiful. You know? <laughs> like, I don't even understand what you're talking about. Oh, you know? okay. So, yeah. You know. So it's really just your mind playing tricks on you when you're not feeling so. good about the body? I think it's that. And it's also, I mean, it's also, there's a consequence to the body, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it has affected me. Like I, I have put on weight and I do have like, there's a completely different shape to my body and I move in a different way. And like I said, I feel ridiculous sometimes and, (laughs) you know, yeah. so it's, there is like a reality to it that you just, I guess, have to push through or, you know, um, it's an acceptance of, of the consequence of what's happening and it will only kind of escalate it's gonna get worse before it'll get better right? <laughs> like I'm about to put my body through yeah. an that could be very was likely going to be traumatic in some way and will ha- definitely have physical consequences and yeah I think I think maybe some of the reason that ha- it has come up a lot more recently is not just because I'm at like the later stages of my body changing but also because I'm about to go through this experience and mm. I think sort of subconsciously, it makes me more aware of just every aspect of the body and the precariousness of the body and 
the notion of a, a, a body moving through your body, you know, like yeah. coming out of your body and all of the kind of any of the sort of anxiety that I have about that, I think just then gets kind of like pushed on to appearance, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. small perceptions and that kind of thing. Yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Do you have a birth plan? And if so, like, how do you know how, how do you figure out what your birth plan is? How do you do? I haven't looked into any of this stuff yet. So I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I feel like this is, uh, I I have no authority. I know, I know. Whatsoever. (laughs) I'm making it up too. And I feel the same way. Like, well, how do I know? And in fact, my doctor was like, she was asking me some questions about birth. And she's like, it's like if you were practicing, um, swinging a club to hit a golf ball she's like if you didn't have a club in your hand and you don't have a golf ball you can practice all day but until you actually have the club right. and the golf ball you're not really gonna know yeah. how it feels or what you need or what you want my main thing has been to um do as much as makes me feel empowered mm-hmm. but as soon as I start to have information that makes me feel fearful mm-hmm. I back off And I just either sit with it or I wait and think like, maybe I'm not ready to read about that or to think about that part Mm. of it yet. Um, Because I feel like the best possible like state that I can be in is the least amount of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, So whatever decisions I can make that help me feel less fearful, those are the decisions that I'm going to make. I like that. Because it's like, even you're fearful, you hold tension in your body and Mm -hmm. like, you need to be able, the whole idea is being able to kind of like be able to relax and release certain parts of you. Mm. Um, so that's been my like goal. Oh, I'm <laughs> not going to be able to release. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I won't either. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, oh gosh. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Huh? Yeah. It's just going to be what it is. Yeah. The other thing that I think is that you know, and IVF helped with this. Egg donation helped with this. Egg donation really helped with this. I think when we were like going through the process of deciding to use an egg donor, my husband was struggling with the decision a little bit more than I was. And we read this book called three makes baby, I think. And it talked about the idea of dialectical thinking, Mm -hmm. which is like, you know, holding multiple truths in your head at once, that things can be this and this. Mm -hmm. And that like unlocked something in our brains. Like it allowed him and I both to feel like, oh yeah, any decision that you make, you're going to have regrets. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter which direction you go in. You're going to wonder what the other direction could have led to. Mm -hmm. So it, allowed us to practice this idea of, oh, this can be true and this can be true. And the act of, I think, being like a sane, healthy person is accepting that these multiple realities can exist at once. Mm -hmm. And so then like going into this whole quarantine thing, I feel like we had been through this weird crash course on like living with multiple realities. So we could be like, we feel very safe and very like, um, you know, in love with our little family and full of joy. And also we feel like the world is falling apart and (laughs) there's terror everywhere. And, you know, this is very scary or whatever, like all of the things that have happened this year. And so I think the same thing is true with childbirth or with any part of this experience is I can feel bad about my body and I can also accept my body for Mm -hmm. what it is. I can, have a goal for childbirth, I can have a kind of, you know, hope, but I can also accept that things will go the way that they're going to go. And that ultimately, I don't really have control. And that whatever happens, 
I'll probably always wonder what the other thing would have led mm-hmm. to, you know? So the, it just seems like the, the sooner I accept that whatever happens is, is just going to be what is, the more capable I'll be entering into it, you know? Yeah. And I really think that like IVF and egg donation helped me have that kind of mindset. And I think it helped me like endure this quarantine and not feel, I mean, we're incredibly privileged where we have security and my husband is working at home and everything, but it has honestly been like this period of like growth and thoughtfulness and evolution and like a lot of joy just between our little family, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I don't know. I guess I, I don't even know why I brought that up. I asked about birth plan and, and how do you figure that out? And you said you're just going along with it. And I agree with what you're saying, what you just said about IVF. And I I guess um, it's definitely taught me to not have plans. (laughs) To yeah, not exactly. to just go with the flow and you you cannot you cannot decide ahead of time what's gonna exactly. happen. There's exactly. no and that's what COVID has done for the whole world as well. Nobody nobody has any control. That's how I feel. And I think like I think had I gotten pregnant, you know, immediately like so many of my friends did, I I I just don't think I would have had that grace of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think I would have been more demanding on myself too, in terms of like, this is how my pregnancy has to go. And this is what my birth plan has to look like. And this right. is how I want things to unfold because of whatever, because yeah. we want control over things, you know, and because it's human nature to want control. But yeah. I think the other thing for me that IVF has done is um, made me realize that like, along the way, I've had all of these, um, I've said this before, and I've never said it well. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard hard to articulate this stuff. (laughs) You're good at it. You're good with the words. (laughs) (laughs) There's, um, along the way, I've had all of these visions of myself that have not turned out the way I thought they would. And then I've had this adjustment period after each one (laughs) where I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay, fine. And then it's fine. And it's totally great. Exactly. (laughs) And why was I thinking, why was it such a big deal? Who gives a fuck? No, totally. And that's what I, absolutely. that's what I've learned. So with each thing that comes up, I, I still have that moment, but then I'm like, well, later on, I'll probably think this isn't a big deal. And it's just a small, just a tiny moment in my life. Exactly. I so, yeah. have fucked up in my life so many times, <laughs> so profoundly on such like, you know, just epic scales of embarrassing, just weird decision making, you know, and I'm also the person that was like valedictorian, like (laughs) hyper controlling. Ah. I will say everything right. So my life is like this weird mix of like being really good and like trying to be the best at something and hold everything in control and then being like, fuck it and making crazy decisions (laughs) where like I just burn everything to the ground and and I've gotten better at not doing that, yeah. thankfully, like not repeating that pattern. But I think it's also just taught me to be patient with myself because now I'm in a place that I'm really happy with. And I don't know that I ever would have ended up in this place without these like series of crazy, horrible, stupid things yeah. you know, happening to me and being created by me. Yeah. Um, so I totally, yeah, I totally identify with that, with that, with this idea of just like, yeah, that it's like usually in retrospect, it's fine, you know? And if it's not, then like a little bit more distance makes it fine. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. good to have a sort of an outline of what you would like, but, but, but to not hold too tightly to it. Yep. And I think like when we were going through this list of all these things. Of, well, you where do you get just, that list? <laughs> you just Google it like anything, oh right? God. Google, like, I've got, I feel like I've got a lot of homework to do that I should oh, have been so doing. So and I, you have so much time. Though. That's what I keep yeah. telling myself, but I haven't have no energy to do anything. It'll come up when it comes up. Okay. I think like once you feel the pressure of a particular thing, it'll, it, in my experience, it just happens. Okay. Like, okay. like I felt like, Oh, I'm behind on this thing or I haven't ordered these things yet or whatever. But it's kind of like, I feel like you're something about like your temperament and your energy like rises to, to the occasion uh, of uh-huh. each little thing that you need to do. It's like, it's such a long period of time, actually. Yeah. 
Yes, like, it is a long. We have like so many phases. Yeah, and also like second trimester. How far along are you? I'm twelve and a half weeks. Yes, so you're like going into this period where probably, and I shouldn't speak for anybody, but like it seems like for a lot of people, it's a it's a more energetic period. Yeah. You start to feel a little bit better, and I think that was when I got a lot of this stuff done. Okay, too is that I just sort of like suddenly wanted to do all this. I felt compelled to like, oh, I'm really interested in reading all of this or doing all okay. this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's like a ton of time in the third trimester too. Yeah, like, that's true. Like, and you're like kind of just waiting for this insane thing to happen. Yeah. It's hard to move at a certain point. Like yeah. hard to do physical stuff. Yeah. But there's a ton of time to just look up stuff and order things and, you know. Yeah. Okay. I have one more question for you. Okay. Donor stuff. I always imagine that I'll use this time or, yeah, this time during my pregnancy to figure out how I'm going to talk to my kid about donor sperm. Have you thought about that stuff or started to work? I don't know. You already have your mind wrapped around it? (laughs) I mean, I don't think it's something that I'll really ever fully have my mind wrapped around. Like, I'm expecting that it will be something that will be a continual evolution Uh for us and for our child. And that, like, part of my job is to make sure that she knows her narrative and that we talk about her narrative as early as possible, like, before she can speak, mm-hmm. so that it's never a surprise. It's just a part of her history. Yeah. We know that. And then I know that, or I'm I'm expecting that there will be, like, periods in her life where it means less to her and periods where it means more mm-hmm. and periods where it may be, she may seem totally fine with it and periods where she may seem less fine with it. Mm-hmm. So my main goal is to make sure that I just make space for every version of her feelings around it. Right. But I don't really know what those will be because every person I think has a different relationship to it and Mm -hmm. so I don't know what type of person she's going to be I don't know how how it's gonna sit inside of her or Mm -hmm. like how sensitive she'll be or you know so I think like my main goal is to just be adaptable and then we've talked about how probably at some point we'll get a therapist that specializes in something like that to just make sure that our language is consistent and that we're like evolving with her needs and making sure that we're like paying attention to anything that's coming up for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, what, what, um, uh, in one of my episodes, I, I said the wrong thing at some point Mm -hmm. and someone emailed me and and let me know. And I, uh, I I think I said biological mother or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I know that's not the, I know that's not correct. But then right. I said, would genetic mother be right? And she said, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, there's no it. mother. <laughs> so can you tell me yeah. a little bit about that language? I mean, what you yeah. know of it? Sure. And I mean, I guess I would just say my experience with it is just kind of like my own emotional reaction to it, which I think is probably what other people are having too. Yeah. Um, I will say the other day we were at a friend's house and they used a gestational carrier mm-hmm. and I referred to that person as a surrogate and they didn't like and they said they're our gestational carrier so mm. you know I think in some ways I didn't then ask them oh do you prefer that term or which I probably could I could have asked mm-hmm. them that but I just thought okay well, they it seems like they are telling me that's yeah. the term they prefer you I'll know? have to look at that yeah, but, so or I you can know. tell me. <laughs> it could have been like a personal thing for them, right? Where it's like it's not it might not be what every person requires or wants in terms of definitions, but maybe for them, we were thinking later like maybe surrogate feels almost like this connotation of like a replacement or something, like right. something standing in place of something else. Mm-hmm. And so maybe there's a kind of emotional consequence to that that like doesn't feel quite as comfortable as gestational carrier would for egg donation just the idea of that term mother I think is like yeah a, just a real trigger yeah for people and it definitely would be for me if somebody said that I mean I think I have I understand that people don't tend to understand it and people have said some really dumb things which I think I mentioned in the last <laughs> in the last uh, episode 
Well, I'm aware of all of these things, and I said the dumb thing. So it's it, like, but I, I think it's a matter of repetition and yeah. and having and say and having to say these things multiple times because you just totally. it doesn't roll off the tongue unless you're saying it more than once. Totally. I mean, it's like practicing saying they them or right. practicing the idea of like just general non-binary you know practices. Yeah. Or I think it is like a lot of a lot of terminology that is outdated or that we or even just that we learn is hurtful to someone Mm -hmm. and then because it's this habitual thing we have to kind of like retrain our brains if we care about not hurting people right so I don't really have an expectation that people will understand this I think it's something that I assume that they don't understand it (laughs) (laughs) but Mm -hmm. because even people that are close to me that like you know, they, they watch this unfold, they still would say things that indicated to me that they didn't actually understand. Right. Or they would have to be reminded of certain things. Yeah. Or, I mean, this is a small thing and it's, in some ways it's not a, it's not a bad thing. Um, but we got like those 3d ultrasound, mm-hmm. we got one of those because my husband couldn't come to any, um, oh. of the ultrasounds. Oh, because they're, you know, not allowing partners. They're still not. So, so they're not going to let my mommy in the room? Oh, <laughs> my <okay>. mommy. <laughs> what? But maybe. Maybe. But maybe, in, maybe in New York. Maybe. maybe they're doing pretty the good there. Cases, yeah, are so, are so high. Anyway. Um, <laughs> 3D, 3D ultrasound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like we showed it to family and my husband's mom was like, oh, she looks like Lou and we're like "Mm, but but no (laughs) and then she was like oh that's right oh yeah (laughs) yeah but I think this person that messaged me also said something about epigenetics what what is it epigenetic maybe what is that like you're a the the tendency or the carrier actually has some sort of effect on stuff yeah it does it it can epigenetics is defined as heritable changes in gene expression that do not involve a change in dna sequence although the gene sequence itself cannot be altered other environmental factors in the birth mother's body modifies the gene expression or what the gene does this means that as a donor egg or donor embryo recipient your body still influences the gene development of your baby yeah so it's not like Yes. I don't think she was having a thing that was like, oh, it looks like you've had an epigenetic effect on this baby that has made her cheekbones resemble your very Scottish cheekbones or whatever, you know. Um, I think she, she, I mean, I know she just literally forgot. Yeah. In the oh. moment, she just forgot, yeah. you know, because, yeah. because it's like it, there is a, an assumption of normalcy that people have. Like there's a, there's a script that people have that mm-hmm. is like the script of, of pregnancy that also is like the same thing that makes people say, stop trying and then you'll get pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just have fun or, you know, yeah. all of those things. It's like, there's just this, yeah. we have this language and this expectation that's grounded in this like normalcy, you know, yeah. and it's really hard for people to shift to their brain and to kind of adjust to that. So I try to like, just be patient with it. But, you know, sometimes it, it would, maybe someone could say something that would hurt my feelings. And I guess it's like my job is just to, I mean, whatever, I don't have a job. But if I want to, <laughs> I could communicate to them, oh, hey, this is why this is hurtful. Mm-hmm. And hope that then that would change their language. Well, okay, so let's say I'm in the similar a similar situation where I say something, I don't know what it was that I said, but let's say yeah. it was like, oh, your kid's a teenager and they want to know more about their biological what I you know what I said before biological mother but that's not correct I know that what would I say instead of that they want to know where their genetic material comes from sure or I think you could say genetic donor would genetic donor okay a reasonable thing to say or I mean you could say egg donor or sperm donor specifically but some people you know that may I don't know maybe that would feel too kind of invasive or something or personal mm. to someone to hear that. But I, I, I refer to the donor as the egg donor as our yeah. egg donor. Yeah. Um, but I think genetic donor is like a pretty reasonable, you know, it's accounting for what 
was actually yeah. contributed. Yeah. She contributed genetic material. Yeah. She wasn't, she didn't have a role. There's no, there was no maternal role in, in her part in this, you know? Yeah. Um, I think for me, part of it comes from my dumb language back in like season one when I was interviewing sperm donors and I, I would always call them like the biological father or the bio daddy or something right. like that. And I'm, I'm, no, they're not. There's no father part. There's no daddy. Right. <laughs> right. No, but it's really, I mean, I think it's, it is just these, it's, there's so many things that are just ingrained in the way that we think. Mm-hmm. It's also like, you know, one of the things that I think has been really interesting is thinking about people's expectations of what genetic similarities, what they give to someone that like, you know, there's this assumption that if you are genetically similar to someone that you are therefore intrinsically connected. Right. That people assign this almost like magical wow, yeah. know, connection to. And in some ways, there is a magical connection. It is like beautiful and strange and magical. But also like not everybody who has a genetic connection to someone feels close to them or feels similar to them. Yeah. Like ask many people who don't <laughs> go home to visit their parents yes. or Thanksgiving or whatever, yeah. you know, that like just feel like I don't know where this like what this genetic material does for our relationship it doesn't you know make me closer or less close to this person it just is what it is right and so I think just in general this idea of parenting as like producing these little clones of ourselves in order to live out our fantasies our you know ideals is something that we all should like practice or could practice disregarding or letting go of and like if we all just thought of our children as you know, their own people and mm-hmm. gave them much space to identify the way that they identify and mm-hmm. like be and become the people that they want to become. I think, again, it's like, we have to kind of like shake ourselves out of the sense of normalcy or expectation in order to achieve these like higher goals of letting people be who they are, you know, yeah, it's hard. But it's, it's also to me, I think that's sort of personally kind of like the gift of egg donation is that I think of this child as my child, but I don't think of her as like this extension of me. I think of her as her own person. I love that I grew her and I love that like we're so physically connected right now. Yeah. But then like when she's born, I want her to feel like she's her own identity. She has her own identity and she gets find who she is. It doesn't, you know, it, it, it does, it isn't my job to define her reality for her, you know? I love that. You're such a smarty pants. That's nice. Thank you. <laughs> like just a couple of weeks ago, I was like talking to my an old friend um, doing one of these catch up interviews and talking about how I want to make my kid the, you know, the best, I don't know what, so they can make the world a better place and all of this shit and like People didn't used to do that in the past. They were just mindlessly having kids. Like, what am I talking about? And you just like, you just know what you're talking. You're just like, this. I want to well, be you. I want to have your brain and your the no. way your your thoughts work. I will tell you this. I was married when I was like 25 mm-hmm. to a man that was much older than me, and I inherited a child through that. Uh-huh. He was um, 12, and that could have been a fucking disaster to have a you know a 25 year old woman helping to raise this 12 year old boy. And I didn't know what I was doing. But I really loved this kid and we connected. And it taught me that you don't have to be biologically connected to someone in order to feel like they're your family. And also, it taught me that like, I don't know, I mean, there were so many moments where I thought, God, like, how do I teach this kid to be to procrastinate less? Like, you just really, if I could just teach him, if he just didn't put this stuff off, it would be so much easier. Or he needs to have more respect for his teachers or, you know, all of this stuff, right? And then slowly what I witnessed happen is that he was perfectly capable on his own. Like, he, because we treated him with respect and we honored his intelligence and we loved him and we cultivated his interests and things. He figured it the fuck out to such an extraordinary degree. And like when you talk about, I want my kid to be one of those people that is like changing the world. <laughs> he's that kid. Like he's this <laughs> now this amazing person who's like so intelligent, so informed, creative, 
he cares about the environment. He cares about culture. He's like dedicated, mm. political, smart, loving. He's like one of my best friends, right? Yeah. And I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything that was like <laughs> making him better, except just like loving him and thinking yeah. that he was a cool kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That That to me was the ultimate kind of lesson. And when we talk, it's like he says, you know, I always hate when people don't think of you as my parent. Like I think of you as one of my primary parents. Parenting is just like doing what you're going to do naturally, I think, to and with your kid. And they will like through the extension of your love of them and your support of them, they'll become the people that they need to become, you know, and like, they'll be those empowered people because you're their mother, you know, <laughs> and you're that kind of person. And yeah, like you will give them that space. Yeah. So thank you. That helps. Good. Yeah. Again, I think like fucking up is, is good. Uh, it's a good way to learn, to learn things. And I'll continue to fuck up. I'm now I get to go and like fuck up in this whole, whole new way. way. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that's exciting. Yeah. And so, okay, September 29 ish. Yes. Okay. We'll all be thinking about you. Thank you. Yeah. Think, think of me. I really have enjoyed being pregnant. Like, I, I honestly feel like it was such a, yeah, it's just been, just been like very joyful. Like, even while the world literally does. Yeah. Burns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll be such a great, I mean, it'll continue to be um, a beautiful experience for you. Not yeah. that I know some people, for some people, it is not that experience. Well, I know. I feel so like I haven't, I haven't had an ounce of nausea. You haven't? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> have you, how have you felt? Uh, I've been tired. I'm yeah. very tired. In the beginning, I was out of breath, which was interesting. I wasn't I expecting that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, everything I did, it was like I walked up a flight of stairs. Um yeah. And then, and then my, I, I have struggled with heartburn on and off for 10 years. So yeah. it came back, it, it, it was triggered. And so I haven't had nausea, but I've had constant heartburn. Oh. <laughs> oh, I never have had heartburn in my it's life. So, yeah, it's gross. But I feel like the heartburn that you, y'all, y'all pregnant women's oh. <laughs> experiences, <laughs> I feel like that is, is, is your standard heartburn where it's like, you feel it coming up your your throat and uh -huh. what I have is more of like a um, maybe it's called more maybe I should be saying indigestion but uh -huh. I don't know what it is. it's a it's a, a strong discomfort in my stomach and my esophagus but it's not as much like the burning in your chest that that goes up your throat right. I have that sometimes right. but it's more of just like a I don't know I can't describe it this is why I can't fix it because I don't know what it is <laughs> and I hate that but I it's an unsettled uh, queasiness but not nausea does it feel like a lump like it does it feel no, like I've had like that but no no hmm. I've had that feeling though so that has come back or you've had like burning the 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 general thing that I always ha has come yeah. back yeah but it, I, like the last couple of days have been good, but then yesterday I was crazy, a crazy person, and I ate three pieces of French toast, which was great, <laughs> and I didn't get heartburn afterwards. But, so by the nighttime, I was like, "Well, I'll have this frozen pizza," and then <laughs> <laughs> I had the worst night. Oh my yeah, god, yeah. it was terrible, yeah. and that yeah. was more of a burning one because that was just dumb. And but yeah. I also had ice cream afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Like I know what I know what makes me sick, but um, yeah. I do it anyway sometimes. Yeah, the heartburn has been hard. Like honestly, I didn't. Yeah, I, I've never. That has that has been the worst part. <laughs> the whole thing more so, than the nausea. The nausea is bad. The nausea is bad. But I feel like you expect the nausea, and then no. I mean, the nausea is bad. It's probably just been so long that I forgot. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, the feeling of constant yeah. nausea like that. I also have a lot of emotional stuff wrapped up in the heart in the indigestion stuff, right. just because I've been uh, it's been a constant for so long, right. and it just makes me sad. But yeah. I don't feel sad right now. I feel pretty good, That's and good. I feel like it it might be lightening up a little bit now, and maybe I'll have some more energy, and I can actually get things done. Yeah, I thought you will. I think that's pretty much the norm. <laughs> and like, and then you'll are you showing at all? I don't think so, but yeah. I feel like I've always had a a pooch under my belly button. 
I mean, I have. I always have. But yeah. I'm like a skinny person. But I've always had like a, a a bubble there. And I feel like it yeah. looks exactly the same. <laughs> my mom says it looks bigger. But my brother, every time I see him, he's always like, oh, look at you. And I'm like, no, dude, that's just my body. Stop. Stop looking at my body. <laughs> I was like, I would, I just refuse to show anybody. Every time we'd get on FaceTime, people would be like, are you, can you see your bump? And I just started saying, I'm not your show pony. And I would just say that to everybody, like, like, you know, grandmothers, friends, I would just say, I'm not your show pony. And it would shut them up. <laughs> but then at this point, it's like, it's so ridiculous that now I'm like, this is absurd looking, you know, like, I would show you just because it's cuckoo. Well, but um, now I want you to show me, but you don't well, have to. <laughs> I'm not your show pony. <laughs> Um, you're the only person I've done this yes, for. Yes, look at me. I can't okay. see anything. Oh, look at you. Look at oh, you cute. Oh, it's perfect. Go. It's so round. Oh, my that's, goodness. That's what somebody else said to me. Oh, and then I got, does, I got oh, so sensitive. That was a bad word to say, see? No, it's not. I don't. Think I just meant can, like it's perfectly round. No, see, this is the thing. I don't think there's anything you can say about anybody's body <laughs> when they're pregnant that won't like get internalized in some weird way. But beautiful. I think you have a beautiful, <laughs> thank little, you. little tiny, tiny minuscule <laughs> yeah, bump. Barely there. Yeah. You don't look thirty. You look like you're like twenty five weeks max. Thank you. <laughs> No, I feel totally neutral about your baby bump. (laughs) Thank you. Perfect. That's exactly what. Just nothing. Just have no. I didn't have any up or down (laughs) feeling just now when I saw that. (laughs) Well, like my family would come over and they wouldn't say anything. They would leave and I'd be like, I guess my mom just doesn't even care. Doesn't say anything. Well, she kind of can't win because. Oh, it's messy. (laughs) So funny. Anyway, at some point, it'll feel, you know, you'll have this, this thing that will like, you know, makes it all feel. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I was, I mean, my boobs are different. They're pointier, more banana like. It's (laughs) awful. (laughs) They're terrible, but it's, but I like, I don't mind because it's so funny (laughs) to me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I think it's just, there's so much that's just so ridiculous about it like whoa like there's so many things that I've just been to my husband like what look at these like what about this yeah well part of part of like my idea of my vision of myself getting pregnant was that I'd finally get my mom's boobs which are these beautiful (laughs) round cantaloupes and they're just getting pointier it's it's, it is not what I imagined (laughs) you know those leather uh water canteens or whatever that are like that sort of bladder shape. Do you know what I mean? Yes, 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 yes I totally do. <laughs> I feel like my boobs look like that. <laughs> I I say that's cool. That's what a cool, cool look. Shape. What a cool shape. Then my mom said, "Just put a bra on," and I said, "No. <laughs> Why do I? I'm not gonna see anybody." <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. And they that's should get the used to it if I do. Yeah. I don't know. Body neutrality. I'm trying. That canteen banana boot. <laughs> it's just like that's their shape. Like it's not good or bad. It just is what it is. It's, it's what cool it shape. is. Yeah. 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 <sighs> well, anyway, thank you so much for talking to me. Totally. I'm so thank excited for you. Me. And I know you don't really post personal stuff on your um, Instagram, but I hope maybe mm. one day you could send me a picture. I will. I would love to you a picture Aww. i'm so excited for you oh and I'm thank so you happy for you and thank um, you yeah and i would love to send you a picture thank you i can't and wait hopefully it'll be soon and i hope you have an uneventful very boring um birth <laughs> super boring pain painless the whole time i'll just be like body neutrality <laughs> pain neutrality <laughs> yeah <laughs> no pain everything's just gonna slide right out i think could happen you don't know Well, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Molly. Bye. That's it for today's catch-up episode. I think we'll do one or two more of these, and then I'll start season four, Pregnancy. It's going to be wild and crazy. It's going to be so different. You are going to be shocked. I'm just kidding. It's probably just going to be a lot like this, but with more birth stories, doulas, midwives, probably some cool parents. 
I know some of you want to hear from more single mothers by choice, so send me your recommendations and I'll do my best to get them on the show. The best way to send those recommendations is via spermcast at gmail.com because those Instagram DMs, they tend to get lost in the shuffle. But I will do my best to keep a record of your suggestions and invite them on the show. If there are certain topics you want to hear about in Season 4, again, email me at spermcast at gmail.com. I would love your suggestions. Oh, and hey, there was a bit more of this interview with Lou, so I'm going to be putting that up on the Patreon. It's about 20 minutes or so, and it's very interesting. Gosh, I really love her. I love how she talks. She's so smart. I want to be her. Anyway, patreon.com forward slash spermcast. Don't forget, you can also see the video of the nuchal translucency scan and so much other amazing stuff on the Patreon. If you don't want to sign up for the Patreon, but you still want to support the show with your dollars, you can Venmo me at molly-hockey. Another way to support the show is by sharing. Share the show with your friends. Share it on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, wherever you do your social media in. You can also rate and review the show. All of this is super, super helpful. Oh yeah, another way to reach me is the phone number 323-741-1818. Leave a voicemail or text me. My brain's fried, so I'm gonna go. Love you, and I'll see you next week. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay, straight, black to white. Tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by Acast. 